This is Quotations, a podcast about words, written and spoken throughout history. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, we shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. No matter where you're from, your dreams are valid. The Pale Blue Dot, the only home we've ever known. Hello and welcome to Quotations. I'm Matthew Monroe. We've done a few multi-part episodes in the past and I've received positive feedback on them. For reference, those are episodes 66 through 68, which were on Benjamin Franklin's 13 Virtues. And most recently, we did an impromptu two-episode series on Martin Luther King's Letter from a Birmingham Jail, which was episodes 93 and 94. And of course, me being a man of the people, I thought I'd continue this positive trend and incorporate it more frequently into future episodes. And I mean, let's face it, some quotations are just simply too broad or deep to be adequately covered in one 20-ish minute episode. So today what I'd like to do is begin a two-part series on someone whose name most of you will recognize, Mike Rowe. Now you may know him from his many Discovery Channel shows, including various Shark Week appearances, Deadliest Catch, which is about crab fishing in the Bering Sea, or Dirty Jobs or maybe even just his podcast, which is called The Way I Heard It. Now, I wouldn't be a good host if I hadn't attempted to bring Mike on the podcast to talk about what we're about to talk about, but as you might imagine, Mike is a fairly busy guy, and he's a pretty well-known household name, and strives to do a lot of good wherever he can. And Mike Rowe was born March 18, 1962, in Baltimore, Maryland. That puts him just a touch over the age of 60, as of the recording of this episode, And his parents are alive and well and and make regular appearances on his podcast, much to the enjoyment of his listeners, myself included. Back in 2008, Mike launched a foundation aimed at addressing the non-college-educated labor shortage that abounds in the United States. These are the skilled workers of America. These are jobs like mechanics, plumbers, electricians, welders, linemen, skilled factory labor, HVAC technicians, and, and many, many others. And the foundation is called appropriately Mike Rowe Works. And it's been in operation ever since. And what it does is provide scholarships called, Mike calls, work ethics scholarships to deserving people striving to fill that skilled labor gap. And to make a fine living doing so, in fact. And in 2021, the foundation awarded more than 130 such scholarships. And you know that if you've ever applied for a scholarship, there are always requirements and hurdles to clear. And rightfully so. Someone is going to give you something and they've a right to know that you're they're giving it to the kind of person that they consider to be the right kind of person. And now that may sound harsh, it may sound judgmental, but that's also how job applications, club memberships, and hell, even being picked for a dodgeball team work. And one of the things that makes Mike Rowe Works Work Ethics Scholarships interesting is the pledge that each applicant must sign. And the pledge is 12 statements, each to be considered and agreed to by the applicant, before they can apply. In fact, in addition to signing the pledge, applicants must directly answer questions about the pledge to show their contemplative thought on them and deep understanding. Mike calls this the SWEAT pledge, S-W-E-A-T, which stands for skill and work ethic aren't taboo. And of course, this flies directly in the face of one of the foundation's least favorite phrases, which is work smarter, not harder. The foundation argues that we should all work smarter and harder. And that could be an episode all on its own, I assure you. And it is certainly a sentiment with which I agree. We need to work smarter and we need to work harder. 
And as with so many other things, the pledge calls out things that, once revealed, you almost can't help but feel were always there, always true, but you didn't or, or couldn't necessarily vocalize them. And I assure you, listener, that as we progress through this, you'll see that a number of these pledge items are controversial. All you have to do is go look at some of the threads, some of the comments, some of the forums regarding this pledge, and you'll see people with violent reactions. And I'll admit, some of these are a little bit more challenging than others, but we have never shied away from challenging quotes on this show, and we never will. So I will present them to you. I will give you my opinions. We'll take a quick thought experiment with, with each of them. And then it's up to you, listener, as it always is, to take what comes out of these episodes and do with it what you will. If you like it, if you like what you hear, absorb it, internalize it, make it part of you, much like I do, with the words that I like and I enjoy and I find challenging. If you don't like it, that's all right, too. You never have to listen to this episode ever again. You never have to recommend this episode to another person. You certainly don't have to go and apply for a MicroWorks work ethics scholarship. But just brace yourself as we go forward and understand that while the words in these quotes mean something to me, they challenge me, I may not agree with them in their entirety, and you're not required to either. And it's worth noting that each of these 12 sweat pledge, sweat pledge statements has a short video, which are all available at the website for the scholarship. You can Google it and find it. But I will post a link on the webpage, and they're also on YouTube. So the audio for each of these 12 statements comes from those videos. So I don't have Micro himself, but I do have Micro's voice. So let's get started. The first quote is about gratitude. I believe I've won the greatest lottery of all time. I'm alive. I walk the earth. I live in America. Above all things, I'm grateful. And I probably should have said this before the video clip, but I encourage you to go watch the videos. But this one in particular is, is particularly compelling. And Mike tells a story of a near-death experience that he has that changed him for a moment. And he learned that nearly dying in a near-miss car accident made him grateful for life and that gratitude was completely within his control. He could decide when and where and how often and for how long and in what ways he would be grateful. And that led him to make gratitude the premier statement on the sweat pledge. And I think that that says something. I think that is deliberate on his part, that above all other things, above all other 11 statements, this one is the most important. This is the first one that he wants you to hear, because some people will go and start listening to these in order and won't make it to all 12 for reasons that I talked about before. But you'll almost all hear the first one. And that first one is about gratitude, and Mike did that deliberately. And one important note before we move on, and I'm actually going to put words in Mike's mouth here a little bit, but if you're listening to this from somewhere other than America, you can be grateful for that just the same. As others have said, there are almost certainly a billion or so people on the planet who would, if they could, simply snap their fingers and assume your life. Because theirs is, comparatively, that much worse right now. So as Mike says in the first pledge, be grateful. Next. Mike talks about entitlement. I believe I'm entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I also understand that happiness and the pursuit of happiness are not the same thing. And again, watch the video. 
I know I said that about the last one, but also watch this one too. You know what? Forget it. Watch all of the videos. They're all good. Anyway, Mike talks about rejection in this video. He talks about getting 10 jobs in his life from about 500 auditions. This was early in his career, but 10 jobs from 500 auditions. That's a 1 to 50 success to rejection ratio. That's brutal. I don't know about you, but I don't think I've ever applied for 50 jobs to get one. Hell, I don't know if I've ever actually applied to 50 jobs total. And most of you probably haven't either. But then Mike speaks about gradually upping that average to about three jobs for every 10 interviews. That's still a 70% rejection rate. And that's still brutal. But then he goes on to say that rejection can lead to happiness that you might not have dreamed of. But I love, I absolutely love the final sentence of this statement. When Mike says, I also understand that happiness and the pursuit of happiness are not the same thing. And often the pursuit is not happiness inducing, right? Often we have to work and plod and toil and deal with the challenges and difficulties that come our way from whatever we are pursuing that we deem to be worthwhile. That's just a part of the process. Happiness may be at the end of the rainbow, and it may be at the end of a rainbow that you didn't originally think it would be, and you might have to work for it, deal with it. Next, opportunities. I believe there's no such thing as a bad job. I believe that all jobs are opportunities, and it's up to me to make the best of them. So Mike has done a lot of jobs that many of us would and do consider, quote, undesirable. Right? He built an entire show that lasted for nine years and 170-ish episodes. In fact, it's recently been renewed for more, but 170 episodes in the bank so far, based on that exact concept. Mike's first job was in a movie theater doing all of the behind-the-scenes stuff that none of us think about when we go to the movies. We're talking red jacket and bow tie and the whole nine yards. And the pay was lousy and there were no benefits and the hours were long. By all accounts, it was a bad job, quote-unquote. But not for Mike. Right? He worked and worked and moved up and earned more and got to watch a ton of movies in the process. So that sounds like a good job, right? And good in this case is, and in all cases, I would argue, I think Mike would too, is a perspective. It is not a fact when it comes to jobs. And another excellent quote that comes from this short clip, it's not part of the sweat pledge itself, is about those dirty, smelly, dangerous jobs. Mike says, quote, some jobs are the rungs at the bottom of the ladder. But those jobs are actually the most important jobs, because a ladder with no rungs at the bottom is a very hard ladder to climb, end quote. And how true is that? Sometimes you just have to start at the bottom and climb your way up. And if those bottom rung jobs aren't there, it's awfully hard to get any higher than the bottom. Pledge number four is about passion. I do not follow my passion. I bring it with me. I believe that any job can be done with passion and enthusiasm. And this is a true, quote, row-ism. As I recall Mike saying this way back in Dirty Jobs years ago, I even went and tried to find the episode where he said this, but I couldn't. But I know he said this way back in the day. In fact, that was the first time that I'd heard it, and I kind of sort of, I, I co-opted it, right? I think, I think I've said it to people myself, in fact. And of course, the implication here is that passion is made not followed, right? You take it with you if you choose to. Therefore, it can be applied to anything. 
I'm going to say that again. You take it with you if you choose to. Therefore, it can be applied to anything. Don't believe me? Think about people that are passionate about things that you can't fathom being deeply interested in. For me, there are a couple that jump to mind. And I'm not yucking your yum if this is you. It's just not me right now, I suppose. First, people that are really into cars. I don't get it. I never have. And maybe I never will. It's just not my passion. Second, people who are very detail-oriented when it comes to their tea or their coffee. The, quote, perfect cup, brewed or steeped at some perfect temperature with beans or leaves from the middle of nowhere in some obscure place. Again, I don't mean to make light, it's just not my passion. But the important part here is that it's someone's passion, and they came by it somehow, as I have come by my own. And that means that we can choose to be passionate about anything. If I so chose, I'm sure I could become passionate about things like tea or coffee or cars. I just haven't chosen to. But that doesn't mean that I can't take passion with me to other pursuits. Because I do, and I have, and I will. And so should you. Next, Mike talks about debt. I deplore debt. I do all I can to avoid it. I'd rather live in a tent and eat beans than borrow money to pay for a lifestyle. I can't afford. And of course, drawing from the last pledge, you can hear the passion in Mike's voice in this video. He's talking about the $1.5 trillion debt pit that Americans have accumulated and how he believes we got here. He talks about raising tuition and making degrees prerequisites for jobs that need not necessarily have degrees as prerequisites, and portraying the types of jobs that his foundation encourages as second-class jobs, as dirty jobs, as undesirable jobs. And, I mean, he's not wrong. And I'm a guy with degrees. I carried debt for longer than I or anyone would have liked to have those degrees. And Mike's proposing and requiring his potential awardees to think differently. Now, this is a fairly controversial, this is one of the pledges that Mike says is one of the more controversial ones. And the idea that one should live in poverty as opposed to living in happiness, etc., etc., Take it for what it's worth. Again, these are yours to ingest and do with what you will. But Mike is saying that if a tent and beans are required, the people who are going to make this sweat pledge and apply for this program and are willing to do the things that are required to be recipients of this, they've got to be okay with that idea. They've got to avoid debt because they view it as more damaging than valuable. And that's the attitude Mike Rowe wants in his awardees. And again, it's his foundation, so he's not wrong. And the last statement that we'll cover for today has to do with safety. I believe that my safety is my responsibility. I understand that being in compliance does not necessarily mean I'm out of danger. Now, of course, I mentioned that these statements in this sweat pledge are controversial to some people, and this one particularly is one of the first half that I struggle with. I don't struggle as much with the tense and a bean quote from, from number five. This one's a little bit more difficult for me. And not necessarily because I fundamentally disagree, because I, because I don't. But we do need to watch out for ourselves and to ensure that we are safe. Right, somebody told me very early on in my career as a Marine officer that nobody cares about your career as much as you do. Well, that's really a way of repackaging this statement, right? Nobody cares about your safety as much as you do. 
And in the video, Mike talks about how we outsource our safety. When there are other controls in place, be they safety officers or environmental controls like signs or crosswalks or even helmets on bicycles and motorcycles, that we take more risk because of these controls. And there's an interesting anecdote of Neil deGrasse Tyson talking about how he carries his cell phone, this multi-hundred if not thousand dollar device, with no case. And the reason he does that is because it makes him more careful with how he handles his phone. Because he knows that if he drops his phone, if he's careless with his phone, the phone is more likely to be damaged because it doesn't have a case. And in much the same way, I don't think Mike is truly advocating for there to be no controls here. And this is the part that I struggle with. But it certainly is the case that if you look at seatbelts, for example, anecdotally, when seatbelts were introduced and made mandatory, there was a lot of resistance to it. The idea is seatbelts save lives. Crash tests and data showed that seatbelts on drivers and passengers saved lives. So seatbelts were made mandatory. And then what happened? Well, people got confident. They felt safer, so they drove more recklessly. And so the net result was that there were more accidents, granted less deadly, but the proportion of accidents increased because people felt more confident because they were wearing a seatbelt. And now I don't think anybody's arguing, and I am certainly not arguing, that seatbelts ought to be done away with altogether, but it is worth considering. Now this, what Mike talks about, about controls, excess controls leading to overconfidence, may sound true, but what I think comes across in the video, and this is what I think I disagree with, is that in, to some people, it can sound like Mike is arguing against those controls and safeties. And he may not be, but that's sort of what it sounds like, which is kind of why I struggle with this particular statement. Taken to the extreme, perhaps disingenuously, to be fair, a free-for-all would ensue. Remove all the constraints, remove all the safety mechanisms that are out there. People need to be responsible for themselves. I don't think that's necessarily what Mike is arguing with. But the idea that because there are controls and protocols and hazard identifications in place doesn't mean that you're, by default, safe. And... I would argue that controls and protocols and hazard identification are necessary, even if the ultimate responsibility lies with me for my safety. So take that for what it's worth. So there you have it. Half the sweat pledge. What do you think, listener? You've heard me ramble about this for the last 20 minutes. Do you agree or, or disagree? Did your hackles raise on any of these? Did any of your spidey senses tingle at any of these words? Were they enlightening or potentially even enraging? I don't know. Let me know. I'd love to hear from you. You can tweet at me. You can reach me on Instagram. Find me on Facebook. By all means, please reach out because I know this is a particularly controversial set of statements for some people. Others may not bat an eye at it, but I know this is going to raise some emotions in some people, and I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. So do reach out. Next week, we'll cover the other half of the sweat pledge. I look forward to hearing from you in the meantime and hope you enjoyed the episode. Until next time, I'm Matthew Monroe, this is Quotations, and thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app, or visit me at quotationspod.com to download and listen. Please also take a moment to recommend the podcast to a friend. That's a huge help. You can tweet at me at quotationspod. Send me an email to quotationspod at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram at quotationspod, or join the conversation on Facebook at quotationspod. I look forward to hearing from you, welcome your feedback, and thanks as always for listening.